The AIBP ASEAN B2B Growth Podcast is a series of fireside chats with business leaders in Southeast Asia focused on growth in the region. Topics discussed include business strategy, sales and marketing, enterprise technology, and innovation. Welcome to the ASEAN B2B Growth Podcast, where we sit down with individuals responsible for driving growth within their organizations here in Southeast Asia. My name is Urza, and I will be your host for today. Today, we have somebody very interesting joining us. He's dialing in all the way from uh, Thailand, actually not that far away. Uh, We have (laughs) Axel Winter with us. As Axel and I both agree, LinkedIn is the single source of truth. So based on his LinkedIn profile, he is a chief digital and technology officer, partner, and advisor. Axel, welcome and uh, nice to meet you. I, I do an introduction for you, but I believe you can do it a little bit better yourself. So tell us exactly what does chief digital and technology officer, partner, and advisor mean? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for being here and inviting me. Uh, happy to uh, happy to have that have that discussion. Uh, just at the back of your fantastic innovation conference which you had in Bangkok. And then I think to to my background, you, you know, I kind of believe that you kind of gravitate towards new new ways and different things of doing with with you getting more experience and and, and doing stuff right, hustling away as I say. And um, I think in the in the time before I, I have been in, in different roles, chief technology officer, I think three times in my life, um, and then. Uh, lastly, with Central Group, actually helping helping to kick off the uh, the transformation there in 2017, and then building a um, billion dollar online business um, with many talented colleagues there. Uh, really, really uh, good, exciting, yet very tough time. Also, to uh, start starting up a business is tough, um, but but also in consulting and so on. And now, I think what I focus on now is mostly. Uh, is as uh, as we as we said is CMP what as in chief digital officer is a luxury operator and we set out to do um, let's say a super app for the affluent slash luxury segment uh, and keeping them uh, engaged and interested um, and it's 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 tough for a, a property company because by right your customers are the tenants more in most uh, most of the time. And then, so what we are doing is building a consumer business, having having new departments, new way of working and thinking in there. Um, and then, aside of that, um, I have the great opportunity also to to advise uh, a few other companies, startups, uh, and some corporates, um, and also invest in them. Uh, Alpha uh, uh, Capital Founders, we have. Um, we're working with a bunch of very exciting startups. One is public, uh, one investment in Convi. Uh, it's kind of the, let's say, the, the vertical lead in Thailand for beauty e-commerce. Um, so very, very exciting company. And then there, there are a few others. And I, you, you know, you, you might have think, hey, can you not just do one thing correct? But but actually, it's it's an opportunity in each of these roles. I mean, even if you advise, you learn. Uh, you take things with you. Let's talk about how you got to where you are, how you became, uh, uh, how you ended up in Thailand, and how you actually hustled. You mentioned hustling previously, and I think yeah, that's a yeah. word that everybody used. How how did you get to be the chief digital officer that you are today? You, you know, it's um, 
um, for me, I actually started as an entrepreneur. So I, my uh, my father was an entrepreneur in the property business in uh, in Germany, uh, and I was uh, helping in the business. I, re- I I was actually working business business really in the business there in, in the property business, um, and but also wrote the software for the company basically. And I, I had an early uh, interest in uh, in technology, and it was fascinated about data communication, which then later became the internet. And and uh, I can't fully remember. Uh, but I had some friends uh, in Southeast Asia, and then we we said, hmm, "Why not? Um, why not set up a business in Asia?" I mean, you, you know, I was kind of 22, and then uh, you, you don't think much about. It. Well, I, I would have said, I still don't think much about some of these things today. I just do it, but um, but definitely, I didn't I didn't think that much about these things then, and just kind of came here and met really exciting people uh, in Thailand, but also in Singapore, of course, and in. Uh, in other countries, in Indonesia, we worked a bit Laos and Myanmar, um, and we we kind of uh, then said, hmm, let's have a business to bring data communication, internet, email. Before the browser was there, you had already email and then internet. And I was excited about this and doing it myself. And then when I came into corporate, the the first one was Anderson Consulting, now known as Accenture, although very different company at the time. Um, now I think. Almost eight hundred thousand staff, then forty-four thousand staff when I joined. So you can imagine the difference. Um, and you, you know, being in, a, in this type of consulting company is more like a marketplace. So you still have this entrepreneurial in there. But then when I entered corporate uh, GE and others, then it it suddenly it becomes a little bit more tricky. If you're too entrepreneurial, too decision focused, too execution focused which corporate by the nature of them are, let's say, are less, um, then it, it's it's a benefit, but it comes also with a lot of headaches, right? Because you're always trying to pitch and to convince and to push, to to pull, right? And um, But the upbringing is that being an entrepreneur um, and and I like creating things, pointing things, hey, I have, I have done something here. I involved myself there. Look at how, how cool that is, right? And then... But the other one is always interest for new technologies, right? Not for the sake of them being new, but to understand them and saying, hey, what is different here? Why is this new? Why is this business model different? Why is this technology um, a game changer? Why would you tell me this? And then critically uh, question it. And then, of course, adopt the new things and uh, forget uh, the BS, right? You were here 28 years ago, so you were a bit ahead of the curve, weren't you? Yeah, in effect, the first ever e-commerce platform in Thailand, I, I built it. There was no browser yet. It was a pre-browser-based e-commerce, uh, if you can imagine. And I definitely, some of the Southeast Asian markets were more, uh, the, corp- the big global corporates, maybe for them it was more retirement position. I, I remember from some of the, the global banks, the, the deputy CEOs, they were given like, like a grace period before retirement. I get a nice job for the last two, three years uh, to, to ride into the sunset. And, you, you know, that was then. This is, of course, as you rightly said, very different. Right? Today, uh, we are mainstream. And I would say that the, the Internet, now we talk, we talk about it in terms of digital transformation and technology businesses and so on, fintech and what have you. But... But now I think the message came through is that, well, but if you build a global tech business, it, it could be anywhere. It doesn't have to be in Silicon Valley. Exactly. Well, it's nothing against being in Silicon Valley, obviously, or, 
or in Shanghai or Guangzhou or wherever or Beijing, but it can also be, uh, you know, in in Singapore, it can be in Jakarta, it can be in KL, uh, Penang, um, Phuket or, or Bangkok or Chiang Mai. And in fact, there are quite a few in Chiang Mai. Um, and, you, you know, just to share is that, that, and I think that that kind of changed it. And with the big uh, con- consumer base we have uh, in the region and also kind of the additional integration, um, we see exciting tech companies are coming up. We see that actually the Asian startups in general, not only Southeast Asian, but Asian startups are leading uh, on innovation, leading on VC uh, investment over Europe, where I almost feel let's get worried about Europe, whereas Europe heated because there is not one um, big tech company there. Um, and at least Asia Pacific can, can name a few. Uh, and even our region has a few uh, fairly significant players uh, in the market, right? Think, thinking about payment markets and so on. I mean, we see 2C2P and we see uh, OPN, obviously, and, um, and then more on the on the Web3 side, uh, BitCup and, and the likes. So I, again, I feel, I always felt bullish about the region. Um, and, and now kind of before it was just me being bullish alone. And now kind <laughs> of, uh, you, you know, uh, over the last couple of years, the market where, where it came to me where I was already in a sense. <laughs> yeah, it, it was in, in some way uh, perfect. It's perfect because you've had some time to actually acclimatize and be very, very familiar with, with the local markets here. Um, That's the spirit, exactly. <laughs> let, let's take a look at the, the two portions of your, you, you mentioned two things which I thought were very interesting. One is you were always interested in software. Uh, and the second part was you came from a family which was entrepreneurial driven. So your, your dad was was in the business and you wanted to be an entrepreneur yourself. Let, let's look at the technology and the business mix in there. And right now, you know, there's been a lot of... Uh, Increasingly, especially in this part of the world, I think what you're seeing is you're seeing a lot of new chief innovation officers, you're seeing chief mm-hmm. digital officers, chief digital transformation officers, and, and Axel made an, a very interesting point online around how almost everyone today is a digital transformation expert. Right, Axel. So I'd, I'd like to, to go down that route. What, what exactly is a chief innovation or chief digital officer and how does that differ from the traditional chief technology officer that we knew from you know a few years ago just a few years ago yeah i mean first of all i wouldn't i wouldn't make the title right i mean just to say and your question is good and i, I fully agree that there are many uh, heads of innovation and and digital leaders i mean my own title right now is a cdo but i wouldn't i wouldn't make this uh, i wouldn't hold a title against someone who actually uh, does cool things right yeah. so uh, and that that's what it is about um, i think what happened is that traditional traditional CIOs um, have been overly reactive. Uh, they have, um, um, and, and it's difficult to speculate because you get it wrong. Every company is kind of dif- uh, different. But as as a as an advisor and 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 obviously uh, also having CIOs now used to work for me now they're CIOs in their own rank and uh, so I can. I can see that many have, uh, especially um, bef- before COVID, have just been reactive and said, "Okay, then we need we need our ERP platform, or we need core banking. Okay, we need to do some mobile banking if we are bank because everybody has it. Uh, so let's add on." And then you get these type of Lego blocks, and you you keep building this out, right? And then you create these funny shapes, and and then some of them in the bottom very old, and then some new ones here, some new colors because you just bought them, and it's pretty much what you get. 
um, what you get in big corporate now. And then that model of work does not work to build a tech business anymore. That's the issue, right? So you're playing here where you have to be on the other side. And then corporations have been thinking about uh, different answers. Uh, in the beginning, the CIOs try to, uh, again, react, be reactive about it. Um, some of them manage well, uh, the, the minority though. Uh, they, they, go, they dig themselves out of their, uh, out of their problem zone, so to speak, uh, and improve. Like I remember Stanachala Bank being, being a good example, just because I know it. I'm, I'm, there are probably more, more good ones, but, but uh, that was exactly the time, 2011 to 2017, when I was there, um, we started to, um, uh, to basically fix the bank, go from reactive to strategic, um, and, and change change the business. Uh, and I remember early discussions of, do we need branches, right? But if you don't have branches, you keep a relationship, right? You just call them, it's going to be tough on the relationship. You should be able to do everything online, but it shouldn't mean is that you leave out all personal relationships. That was kind of my my argument then, and, and many in the, in the management team agreed, obviously, uh, um, and but just to show that was some of the some of the early discussions. So companies who have not been able to turn this around strategically, I saw many CIOs then saying, hmm, let's put a uh, innovation hat or a digital hat in or a CTO. Earlier it was called more CTO and split the technology responsibility basically in one more hybrid business and tech uh, organization and one which is only let's say IT or CIO, uh, who is then the order taker and manages the, the le so-called legacy platform. So ERP and uh, core banking, if you want. So um, it shouldn't be legacy either, but anyway. Um, so, so a lot of time they were split. And then the digital teams, not everywhere, but often got also a revenue KPI. So as I had in Central there, the KPI was on, on revenue. Um, and and then, uh, and so it's now obviously. Uh, how do we contribute to the to the greater good of the the company? Your team for yourself. You you run like the digital team, say, and and Simon Pirat currently. What kind of skill sets yeah. are you looking for when you're looking to build out your team? What what based on the KPIs that you have, based on the goals that you're supposed to hit? What kind of skill sets are actually necessary to be successful within a, a team like yours? Yeah, I mean, there is. Um, um, I would say for my role in Simpy, it's maybe twofold. One is to, to help the executive team and, and literally advise them also on items which are not necessarily under my jurisdiction, as they say. Uh, this is one. And then, of course, it is building and um, expanding the uh, our uh, 1CM Super app um, as a digital growth platform, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a revenue generator. And the skill set here would be uh, which we need in order to do that would be obviously uh, products. So there's a productization of technology, which is good um, to improve each of the products. Um, so the product skills there, we would have Scrum Master slash project management, uh, very traditional, um, and then data science and um, uh, different tech, tech skills from different developers, uh, cloud skills, um, also legacy integration, there's also some, um, because again, we need to then do financial transactions and so on, and they need to be settled correctly. So this type of skill set, it's, it's fairly much typical, I would say, um, 
if you would have um, an app-based business, it's not it's not that untypical, right? I think yeah. the 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 trick is um, to find people who want to grow. So I would look more for the probably for the acumen and the interest and the approach to work. If you look at uh, the rate of growth or you look at the speed of growth in developed markets, Germany, US, uh, in Europe, uh, you're seeing the top few companies change every year. You know, Apple wasn't a, the biggest company in the world, what, just 10, 15 years ago. But in this part of the world, in Southeast Asia, the biggest company in Thailand, I believe 10 years ago was PTT. Today, it's still PTT. <laughs> in Singapore, it was Singtel. Today, it's still Singtel. But we are <laughs> seeing a lot of innovation by these corporates to some extent. And that's why I think part of the, the term digital transformation is being used uh, quite a lot as well. Uh, but t- take a step back, right? How do firms traditionally in this part of the world, especially look at digital transformation? How do you look at it? How, do they, how should they approach digital transformation? Now, the smartest companies, and what we are seeing is, is where uh, the people who tried the, uh, the first two models and didn't succeed um, are aiming it now, and some of them who, who started with that in, in mind, Central was one of them, and Zipiwat certainly is one, is if you, what you need in order to be successful is you need a clear business strategy and clear, not, not, not in like three bullet items uh, with an ambiguous statement. You need a clear strategy how to make your revenue, what's a new business model. They can just talk to, uh, to many digital transformation experts, no? <laughs> yeah, on LinkedIn, exactly. That's, <laughs> That's the magic bullet, I think. <laughs> but this is the issue that that you have some people. I mean, many people with with great knowledge, obviously, and good capabilities, having done things and sharing, which is good. But you also see the ones who come and saying, um, "You you buy this technology, or you do you buy some some service for me, and you're going to be happy and rich ever after." Right? I mean, we <laughs> we know how that goes. Uh, uh, snake oil sales as they, as they had it <laughs> a few years back in the US. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and but it happens. And and then you know if you if you're a business executive, uh, you haven't, um, you really don't have the expertise, and you're you're trying to do the right thing. Then I can see how you fall into into that trap uh, of believing that guy who says it's very easy versus the guy in the company who might be good and saying. Um, hey, this doesn't work like that, right? So it's it's of course we want to believe it's yeah. it can be done in six months. Exactly, it's just it's just not realistic. You know, it's interesting to to see it from both angles, right? Building a a startup within a large corporation versus uh, yeah. actually being involved as startups from ground zero with no money, who you know they have to go to hustle and, and get it out. What what are you most excited about when when it comes to growth in Thailand and in Southeast Asia, especially within the spaces which you operate in within the retail space, for example? Yeah, I mean, I would say is that uh, uh, Thailand specifically um, and increasingly the neighboring markets. Have on retail have really have really been extremely strong on innovation. Research, right? I um, I would say it has really turned the tables. Um, and then when I look what some of the American, uh, not even talking about the European guys, but some of the American retailers are doing, I don't think it's that far. It's that far off. Um, I think if you look at the Chinese retail landscape, the digital landscape, obviously the order magnitude is much bigger. I would say I'm very excited about actually Southeast Asia leading in innovation uh, in the consumer space, in the super app space, in the uh, uh, retail or retail space. When I see Europeans 
come here to learn from us or even Americans versus, I mean, some of the earlier days when I was here, um, they came with, hey, this is the way to do it. Don't even think about it. Do what we tell you. Um, literally, right? I mean, I had I had, um, I had had people uh, explaining what a laptop was, right? And then I, I don't want to say the company, but I had some research company came down explaining, it was in Singapore, they explained to me that mobile banking is, is never going to be interesting. That was in 2012. Um, and then at everyone at the table from, from us basically had two mobile phones in their hand, right? <laughs> so I thought, how would that be the conclusion of anything, <laughs> right? That, that mobile banking is not going to be important if everyone at the table, except the analyst, had two phones in their hand, right? Um, yeah, and now, now we don't even worry. I mean, now you actually see that, that on the desktop, on the laptop uh, web pages, the feature set is reduced. If you look carefully, you can see it's actually less features than on the phone. And the app, the mobile app is the full feature, feature one, which is not only B2C, but also in B2B, um, uh, a lot of uh, decision makers tend to want it to have it in a slim format on their uh, on their particular app. If you look over the next two three years, just within technology as well, what what are the technologies you are interested in, and how do you think that will change the landscape um, in in Thailand or in the region? The Thai market is absolutely different from from Europe. It's even there are even differences to Singapore, right? Not not smaller ones, but yeah. they are, uh, and it's a good thing, right? Um, so, so everybody can make can make a living, and uh, there's a reason for travel and stuff. But, but what I would say is that I see here companies then looking towards open source selectively um, as a way to gain knowledge and innovation, uh, and also at the same time lowering the opics. I feel that that that's that is another trend which I'm seeing now uh, in almost all discussions I have. Uh, it's about how do we reuse OPEX, but do more, basically, yeah, yeah. right? Um, so I think these, these are probably two highlights. I feel that in the blockchain space, um, I'm using purposely a generic term, um, that I think that, again, there are business models beyond board apes and, um, uh, and, and crypto brothers and all of this, right? <laughs> um, that, you know, I think that there are business models beyond in the asset digitization space, um, uh, smart contract space and so on, which uh, which companies know they have to do and slowly start doing it. Um, and I think that's going to be a bit of a medium term um, to for companies to transform. We hope you've enjoyed the episode. For more information about business growth in the ASEAN region, please visit our website www iotbusiness-platform.com